Good morning. Thank you very much, Brother Bruce, and you church too. Uh, we always feel honored uh, to be a part of your church. Um, when Brother called us and told us, you know, would you like to come? Uh, we realized there is no excuse to say no, you know, because we got so much love from your church. And you all been very uh, great to us, very generous toward us. And uh, definitely you're not only impacting in, uh, in, in America or in this area, you're impacting the lives of people in Pakistan too. And I know why you are doing because Jesus told us to do that. Jesus told us to do everything we can do in order to reach out people. And we can read it in Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. How many of you know what, what uh, uh, reference I'm going to read? Sir? Matthew 28. Yeah. Matthew 28 is a great commission. Uh, somehow, I think I can see, you know, your church is doing a great job in this way, but there are a lot of people, they are nowadays, they're just ignoring mission. They consider mission is not important. Instead of uh, calling it great commission, now it, that mission turned into a great omission. Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, not anybody else. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you everything, not pick and choose. And I saw this thing, those things in the churches. They are looking for pick and choose, which reference is more appealing to him and which is not appealing. You just don't quote it. Don't read it. And tell people it's not very important. But Jesus had given us the package, not just pick and choose. This is a package. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So he is always with us. And his, his, another name is Emmanuel, which means I am always with you. Yes, sometimes people, they have a problem. They always think, you know, I don't know what is my calling. They know about Christ. They've been attending church for a while. But they're still waiting for their call. They don't know where they have to go, what they have to say, and how to deal with the people, and how to reach out people. They're looking for their call, and they may think maybe there will be a special revelation upon them. Maybe somebody come and tell them, okay, God has called you, now you are ready to preach. And when we read the Bible, God already has told us, I mean, no believer has any excuse to say that I don't know my calling. This is your calling because he already told you, go and make disciples. This is a unanimous calling for everybody. And wherever we are, we have to talk about Christ. You shouldn't be a great preacher for this reason. You didn't need to be a, have an MD a Bible college degree or seminary degree. Whatever you know, you have to go and tell the people about it. 
I was just thinking and thinking about that Samaritan woman whom Jesus met at the Jacob well. And they were, when they were talking, and Jesus told her something she never heard. She was just talking about the, like a physical water, but Jesus was talking about living water, living life. And once she got understand what Jesus telling her, she got so passionate, which I can think, which I read, she didn't wait for a long time. She heard and she said, he told me everything I ever did. He knows everything. No, there is no excuse to just sit and waiting for. But she said, what did she do? She left the place and went to the village and started to tell about Jesus. Sometimes we take so long. Sometimes we think, I don't have enough knowledge. I think you know more than about this Samaritan lady. She heard the truth and she could not hold her back. Because she knows she has a truth and that truth can help so many lives to come to Christ and come out of the bondage of Satan. So you have the key. You have the truth who Jesus is. But if you are holding this key, keep it in your pocket or under your pillow and you think, you know, that's all. I'm going to the church. I'm attending church. You are not really doing the great commission. And this is God's command. This is not option. You cannot say, yeah, God, this is option. It's okay if I will do or not. It's okay. Because this is the responsibility of the uh, brother Bruce. He is doing very well, and I'm going to attending church. I'm giving my tithe. I'm giving my offering. So I'm done. I'm doing a great job. I think the greatest gift you, gift you can give to somebody ever, that is telling people about Christ. He's our Savior. That's the best gift you can ever give to somebody. If you're giving somebody money and everything and all, all kinds of the gifts and wish lists, everything, what they like, and you're fulfilling their all desire, but you're not telling them about Christ and you're not telling about the truth, you're not giving them anything, actually. Actually, you are taking them very happily toward the hell. So we should be very serious. We have to take this commission very serious and tell the people... How important is it to know about Christ? And when we read about this uh, 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 Samaritan woman, when she talked about many Samaritan people, they started to believe. And they come to Christ. And they said, we not only heard about Jesus, now we saw him. So when you have, when you start to know about Christ, I think you shouldn't be wait. You shouldn't take very long to... To wait on, okay, when I have to leave my room, when I have to tell people, how long I have to hold back this truth from my brother and sister. Sometimes it takes forever to tell us, even to our very close relatives, to, to, to tell them about truth. Sometimes we're just dancing around because we don't want to offend this person. How much Jesus offended this woman, Samaritan woman? Can you believe that? She was, not, she was not ready to open her life, but Jesus said, I know everything, and he knows everything about you. Why have we hold this truth so long, and sometimes we're holding this truth that long, and we don't know, that we, we, some, some people that can die even waiting for the, to know the truth. We're caring about those people, but we're not caring about the truth. We're not telling the truth. So we should be very intentional. 
So what we have to preach, what we have to teach the people. If we read the Bible, we can read Luke 24. It's written over there. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses. The prophet and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scripture. I mean, when you read the Bible, God can open your mind. You didn't need to wait. Holy Spirit is with you. He told them, this is what it is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. That Jesus is talking about. You are a witness of these things, and I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Jesus told them, you can stop, and I will tell you when you have to take the action, you have to step out from the Jerusalem. And when we read the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, we can find out what Jesus told them. He said, you will, you will stay in, in the Jerusalem until you get the Holy Spirit. And in, in, in Acts chapter 2, we find out, we found out Holy Spirit came upon them. And once Holy Spirit came upon them, and the inauguration of the church has been happened, then we don't have any excuse to just stay in the Jerusalem anymore. There was a time when God, Jesus told them, you have to stay in Jerusalem, but now you have the Holy Spirit, now you are free. Go wherever you get the chance. Go to the ends of the earth. Not only one end, not on the one side, but the four side of the north, west, east, wherever you, God leads you to go. You don't need to wait for it. And I think that is the greatest love you can ever do with, with somebody. And Mark, when we read Mark 12, 30 to 31, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. I already mentioned that. You can give away all kinds of things. You can have maybe food pantry. You are feeding, meeting the needs of the needy people. But if you are not telling them about Christ, you are not doing anything for Jesus. Whatever you do, do for the sake of Christ. And you should be very intentional. When you do something and tell people, I am doing this thing because Jesus told me that. You don't need to hide. I, I have a school in Pakistan. When Muslim parents, they come to us, they ask, is this Christian school? Yes, it is Christian school. Would you still want to admit your kid in our school? It's up to you. But we are very intentional. We are not doing a subtle way. There are something we can do, but on this level, we are very open and tell them, so the people, the, the, the glory will go to Jesus, not to us. Because he is doing some work, good work through us. And I don't want to take a credit. And we don't want to hide it. Why this Great Commission is so important for us? Why is it so urgent? When you read the facts, which I am going to tell you, you will understand the urgency of this Great Commission. I don't know how, no, how many of you know about Windows 1040. If you don't know, just look at the Google and you will find of the facts. 
and Pakistan is the heart of this square window on the map. There are 69 nations across Northern Africa, the Middle East and Central Asia in the 1040 window. The seat of every major non-Christian religion, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, animism, atheism, and Sikhism is the headquarter in the 1040 window. You will understand what his 10 window is, 1040 window is. Two-thirds of the world's population, four, which means four billion people, they are living in, in, that, in that area, 1040 windows. 68 nations. 95 of these four billion, 95% of these four billion people are unevangelized. It is estimated that 1.6 billion of these people have never had the chance to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, not even once. 87% to 90% are the poorest of the poor, living on an average of only that $250 per family annually. Just calculate, you will find, you will be shocked. It means every day they are living with 69 cents. Just think about it. In many of the 69 nations, witnessing the Christian gospel is illegal and will result in imprisonment or death, like was in Pakistan too. 45 of the 50 worst countries in the world for persecution of Christians are in the 1040 window. Child prostitution and child slavery run rampant in many of these nations. Horrific abuse of women and children remain unchecked, including the epidemic of pedophilia. Majority of the world's terrorist organizations are based in this part. Now, after listening to those all comments, now you can understand the urgency of this Great Commission, why Jesus told us to do that. And sometimes we think we are doing great because maybe in this building, everything is going well. It means everything is fine. Every Christian person must visit some Middle Eastern or African country once in a life, at least once in a life. Unless you go to those countries, you can never understand the importance of the blessing of God. And after coming, when you will come back, you will realize how much God has given you already and how much you are sharing. I, will, I can tell you, moderate spirit and with moderate finance, you cannot achieve anything. You should be very radical about it. Remember, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. If it get, not get on, the, on time, many people, they can die. And I can tell you, if you are a Christian person, Christian woman, you have a responsibility on your shoulder. God had put the responsibility of many people that live around you to tell them about Christ and help them to know the truth. And truth is this, Jesus Christ, he died, he resurrected, and he's sitting on the right hand of God. And he's coming to judge. And in order to avoid that judgment and going to the hell, we need to believe in Jesus Christ. 
so we can have eternal life. This is my responsibility. Sometimes I know it's Washington culture. I know it's becoming very gloomy. It's getting more kind of disappointed. People are not satisfied what's going on over here. But we need to understand we are not depending on the power of the human, human strength or power. We are believing in the Holy Spirit who has more power we can even think or imagine. As long as Holy Spirit is beside us, we can do anything, we can achieve anything which seems us to impossible. And Jesus already told, told us, he is with us to the end of the age. He's not leaving you. And you don't need to think sometimes if we make a long plan in order to tell the truth. Wherever you get a chance, just tell people. And you have to make a trend. We were just, today when we were sitting in a restaurant and we were praying, and I realized sometimes the people, they come and they get shocked. Oh, that guy is praying in, in the restaurant. What's wrong with this? Because we, we lose this trend. We lost this trend. And people don't know, no, restaurant is not a place for, for worshiping or play, uh, doing a prayer. I always tell them, keep doing that. Slowly and gradually, people, they started to get used to. And you will see the people that start to pray in the, in the restaurant. People that don't like to be judged. People that don't like to be criticized. People don't like to be exclusivist. And I can tell you, when you follow Jesus sincerely, these titles are there for you. And if you're scared, people, they call me exclusivist because I'm telling the truth. People, they're calling me the radicals because I am Christ, Christian. And people, they are calling me judgmental. It's not me. That's the word of God who judging those people. I don't care. This is not me. If that is about me, I may compromise. But I cannot compromise because Jesus told me to tell the truth as it is. Not to make it diluted and not to make it sugar-coated. And if I'm trying to make it sugar-coated, I cannot achieve the purpose of the gospel. Gospel is, the gospel is only good news if it is gets there in time. I remember I was reading a story, maybe I have already shared with you. There, there is a big kind of fair happened in, in, in India. It's happening for a long time. And millions of people they gathered over there. I'm talking about the Hindu people. That's a ritual. And that, uh, that uh, fair happened and, uh, beside the Ganges River. How, how many of you know Ganges River? Okay. So what they, they consider this river is a very holy, and they bring a lot of stuff, and they maybe take shower over there, and they consider through doing those the rituals, they can be cleansed, and they get holy. And there may be sin can be forgiven. And all the karma, bad karma, good karma will be happen because of those things by rituals. So when millions of people were gathered over there, one lay person, very normal, very common pastor. I don't know he, how much training he has. But one thing he has, he has a passion because he loves his neighbors. And he was walking through that mob or crowd of people, crowded people. And he saw one lady, she was standing next to the Ganges River and she was beating her chest and she was crying very loudly. He went to that lady and asked her, why are you crying? She said, I have so many problems in my, in my house and in my life. 
We're trying our best. We did everything in order to get rid of all those problems and sickness and, and diseases. We couldn't do it. So when I asked my God, Hindu God, how I can get rid of those problems, that Hindu God told her, if you will sacrifice your son and throw your son in the Ganges River, your problem can be solved. And when this preacher, he heard this story, he started to talk to her and tell her, can you imagine that? My God didn't ask my son. He sacrificed his son. He died for me. He took all my penalties. He took all my sin. He took all my pain. And he died for me. When that lady heard this story, she got quiet and she was surprised. And she told her, told this guy, I wish you would have come a few minutes earlier. And I will never ever sacrifice my son. The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. And I, know, I don't know how many people they are dying every day, committing suicide and doing all kinds of the stuff which they are not supposed to do because we are not reaching out those people. We just have made up our mind, no, those things are going to be happen automatically. God is all in control. Just give everything to God. I don't need to do anything. He is all powerful. He is a mighty God. So therefore, I don't need to do anything. In Pakistan... We're living in Pakistan, which is a 97% Muslim country, which means 3% Christian people, they are living in the midst of a one, 225 million people. So what should we do over there? If we will not raise our voice, we will not tell them who we are and what we are doing, we can be easily absorbed in, the, in, in this thick cloud of Islam. We have to speak. And you'll be surprised... Islam is, the great, Islam is the fastest growing religion in Europe and America, not in Asian or African countries. Isn't it interesting? All countries where there is a persecution, Christianity is growing. China, Pakistan, India, or any African country, Christian people are growing over there. But here where you have all kind of the resources, all kind of the best technologies, everything, Zoom and everything. So... But still, we are not really impacting people very much. Instead of turning this culture and making it like a Judeo-Christian culture, we are turning this culture into a secular culture. So, I mean, it's so easy to figure it out. Who is winning? Secular culture is winning. Why are they winning? Because they speak louder than you. They're bolder than you. They're more passionate than you. If you're sitting in your room and you're studying Bible and reading all kinds of theology and not going outside and just sitting inside and just, you know, you know bashing those people and saying all kinds of things about those people, not going to make any difference. You have to be in person. You have to talk to those people. You have to be very bold and vocal. So if Suppose if the people that tell you not to talk about Christ, then what you will do? Will you, uh, will you stop talking about Christ? In Pakistan, they told us not to talk about Christ. If you speak, uh, speak about Christ in some areas in Pakistan, you can be easily arrested and you can be killed. 
And that's what happened in the first century when John and Peter, they were, uh, they were arrested by the Sanhedrin. And they told them not to talk about Christ. We don't want to hear this message about the resurrection. We don't want to listen. There is a hope after life because there is, there is a sect among the Jews. They don't believe there is a life after, uh, after, after death. And they told them, you know, we, we don't want you to tell those things. And we don't want you to tell people Jesus is a savior. So what was their answer? They said, what is impo more important for us to listen to you or God? You will decide. And I think that they beat them and they leave them. And, but they never, it, it, uh, they never low down their voices. They never stop talking about Christ. If those people, 12 people, 12 disciples, can change the map of the world, how easy it is for you all who are in millions. There is something we, we don't have which they had. And that was a boldness and passion and compassion. They were not scared about the culture. What Caesar will think about it? I mean, there was a time when Caesar told them, you have to worship me, but they refused it. They were killing, they were butchered, and they were cut into pieces, but they still keep talking about Christ. And here in America, if somebody hurt my little bit feelings, I said, oh, he hurt my feelings, you know. Next time, I don't want to talk about Christ. I don't want to put on the cross because people, they don't like it. I mean, we are more concerned about people than God. If you are doing the right thing and with the right motive and intention, you should not be shy. When people, they ask me in Pakistan who you are, I really, this is the best question. I always expect every Muslim in Pakistan will ask me who I am. And I always tell them, I believe in Jesus Christ. Thank, thanks God, I believe in Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of life and death. And it's opened the opportunity for me to tell them about Christ. I love it. But in America, people, they don't like to ask somebody, are you Christian or Muslim? In Pakistan, people, they direct come to your face and tell you, are you Christian or Muslim? And Christian, I'm Christian. They very proudly talk about it. And we feel proud about it. When I was in the college, I always talked to students about Jesus Christ. Never get trouble. I'm still living. <laughs> you can die in Pakistan. You can die over here. How long are you going to believe? If I will get die in accident in America, it's better to die in Pakistan when you're preaching <laughs> instead of dying in a car. That death is more beneficial over there. So we need to overcome our like a political correctness to be very soft, gentle, and sugar-coated, make the Bible diluted, make it acceptable to everyone. I can tell you, whenever you preach the gospel, there are going to be only two results. People, they accept it. People, they reject it. There's no third way. If you have, if you can prove in the Bible, I will be more than happy. So people, they listen to you. Where will you? They don't listen to you. It's okay. But in America, I realize a lot of people, they're concerned more about the people. They reject them. I said, how about the people? They accept it. You're ignoring the people that want to know about Christ. You're also ignoring those people too. Concerned about those people, they want to know the truth. So, 
we have to do the Great Commission regardless people they like or not. And I can tell you, if you want to keep these values and morals and whatever happening in America, if you want to keep it away from this culture, you have to stand up. And I can see the results, what's going on. I mean, it's a terrible things over here. I mean, everything is perversion, pervert kind of thing happening, you know. You can, you can call yourself whatever you want. This is you. I mean, you get up in the morning, you can claim I'm a woman. Next day you get up, you claim your boy. And the next day you got up, you say, I'm nothing. I mean, everything is just so kind of ridiculous, politically correct. You can call whatever. There is no truth. And you can accept whatever you want. That's not Bible talk about. So who will do this responsibility? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But later on he said, you are the light of the world. So if you are the light of the world, then who will lead the people to, the, to, to, uh, to, to light or take them out from the darkness? You. But if you hide this light under the basket, that's not fair. You're not loving your neighbor. You have to stand up for your truth. What if we do not obey Great Commission? If we just focus on local mission, we actually forget the grand scope of the entire family of God. A hyper-focus on our own community results in a have lost vision for the communion of the saints. Jesus offended people, and Christian people, they're going to offend people. I can tell you. If somebody learned the truth and rejected it, you don't have the responsibility on your shoulder. But if you don't tell this person and that person die in his sin or in her sin, you're going to be responsible because you're going to be asked by God at the judgment day. And this is a challenge. I noticed that when I came in America, I realized we need to talk about that, those issues. We have to stand up, and I can tell those things are not like bigger than you can, you, you're thinking. They can be washed away if you speak with the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything can be done. But we need a passion, boldness. And we have to obey Jesus Christ the way he told us, without being compromised. Thank you. Let's see, boldness, passion, and compassion. Yeah, I think we need a big dose of each one of those. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Thank you. Sam. Thank you for having me. We're excited about your ministry, and you are an extension of the body here. Thank you. And we are so delighted that you've gone to Pakistan in the way you have. And uh, can you give us a quick report on the buildings and kind of the property and some of the answers sure, sure. to prayer. Yeah, if you guys um, have time. We got a few more minutes. Yeah. Give us a quick update. Sure. Okay. We already bought land for our school. That's going to be a great building over there. Um, we're still raising funds to finish this building, but I know we can start this you know, project in a building. Um, we have a school. We moved that school from the very shabby kind of the building to another rental building for temporary basis until we have our own school building 
And so we are working on that. I'm raising funds for the two more church buildings. Two more church buildings. Building, yes. Okay. And um, I know there are a pastor over there. I'm training them. And there are four or five pastors there already. But definitely they're going to start like three or four more churches. So that's great news. In the middle of that um, climate, that's persecution. That's against. That's I, I, again, I mean, I mean, there are always good news. I mean, I can tell you all kinds of horrible story, but you know, God is still working mightily over there. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and He can do over here too. That's right. I can tell you, if you preach, your condition will not be worse than Pakistan. <laughs> you still have, and if you will not speak slowly and gradually, your voice will be taken away. Mm, good point. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes the persecution we're under is the persecution of mediocrity, the persecution of easy believism, mm-hmm. and the, the contrast is uh, stark, stark. Would you guys stand with me? And uh, I don't know, I think Brittany might be out of the room, but uh, sometimes we do this, extend your hand as a gesture of faith and commitment to, to Sam and we're just going to bless them and their ministry. Father, thank you for the preacher of the, the, the day for us. Thank you for Sam, for Brittany, for their family, for their sacrifice, for their ministry. We just lift them up to you, Lord, as a, a, a preacher and leader of the, of the gospel. Just like you've called on each of us to be bold and to be passionate and compassionate, thank you for making them the very same. And Lord, in the place in which they serve, the place in which you've called them, we just uh, ask a special blessing on them that you would uh, bring fruitfulness to their ministry, that you would bring uh, joy to their family, that you would bring healing through this grief and this time of sorrow and loss, that you would uh, cause their, um, their fruit of their labor to to exponentially grow in you. Thank you, Father, for um, the promise that you've made that when we go with your word, when we go with your gospel, Mm. your Holy Spirit leads Mm. and the fruit will be guaranteed. Mm. Thank you again for loving us. We ask your blessing in the name of your son, our savior, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen.